Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, March 21st, 2021. There are some passages in Scripture that often you might connect in your mind with a certain place or a certain event in your life. And for me, I always will connect Deuteronomy 4 with Masada in Israel. Now, that's not for any historical reason. There's no connection between the events of this passage and the place of Masada, this ancient Herodian fortress there right by the Dead Sea in Israel. But it's more, that's where I really first encountered Deuteronomy 4. Not the first time I had read it, but probably the first time I'd ever heard it preached on. Uh, Somebody gave a message on Deuteronomy 4 while I was a college student spending a semester in Israel. And we were on a trip in the Negev, kind of the southern area of the nation of Israel. And we spent the night there at the foot of the mountain of the kind of this fortress. And in the morning we hiked up. But I'll never forget that message from Deuteronomy. Me for, and I want to explain to you a little bit of why, because this passage reminds us that theology, good theology, is not just something that should affect our heads or our knowledge, it should transform our entire lives. So let's look today at Deuteronomy chapters 3 and 4. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 3 continues a little bit more of yesterday, where it recounts um, just their journeys so far, and it recounts their defeat of King Og. And one interesting fact, when it describes King Og, it says his bed was a bed of iron, and it talks about its length, four cubits its breadth, and it says nine cubits was its length. That's a huge bed. And so the idea there from that is that, Og was a huge guy, even that that Og would be considered a giant. Now, if you remember, what was one of the reasons uh, that the people were afraid to go into the promised land with the with the twelve spies? That the people in the promised land are too big; we cannot defeat them. Well, here now, even before they get into the promised land, we see them defeating this giant king. God is keeping his promises. God is doing what he said he would do, even though the people were afraid that he would not. And then you see Moses pleading to enter the land. And I love what he says when he says, Oh Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? And then even though God denies his request, I love the way he brings up that prayer. And I hope that's part of our hearts as well, that we would all say, God, you've only begun to show your servant your greatness. And that no matter how young or old you are listening to this podcast, that would be your heart. God, I've only just begun to see 
how great you are. And uh, then you also see the theme that I'm going to look more at in chapter 4, where it says, For what God is there in heaven and on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? And that's what I want to pick up on in chapter 4, because in chapter 4 now, it really gets into more of the sermon. He's not just recounting the facts. He starts to get into theology, and he really exhorts them to obey the Lord as they go into the promised land, to not uh, give into idol worship, to not you know engage in sexual immorality, um, to forsake these things. And he gets to more of why at the end. And really, he's trying to make the point again that there is no one like God, and there's no one that has done the things that God has done. Let's pick it up in verse 32, where he says, For ask now of the days that are past, which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other, whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire, as you have heard, and still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. Right, that's that theme there. There is no one like God. And it goes on to describe him more. Out of heaven, he let you hear his voice that he might discipline you. On earth, and on earth, he let you see his great fire, and you have heard words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them, and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you, to bring you in, to give you their land for an inheritance inheritance as it is this day. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. So exalted theological truth, the Lord Yahweh is God and there is no other. And then verse 40, therefore you shall keep his commandments, or sorry, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. There is no one like God, therefore. Do you see how that that works? And that's what I remember about that message, that, that evening there at Masada was just that, idea. I remember the professor that was teaching said, we're not talking about an abstract philosophical truth. We're talking about a life-changing truth. Do you believe that the Lord is God in heaven and that there is no other God besides him? If you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing you probably do. You, You believe that. You would affirm that. But Let's be clear, that is not an abstract theological truth. That is a life-changing truth because that is true, because there is no other God, because he alone is God. Therefore, we should seek to obey him. We should seek to follow him because of how great he is. And here it talks about, you know, 
has any other God done anything like this with his people? Well, consider now from our perspective, the other things that we have seen God do. Is there any other God that sent his son into the world to take on our sin, to die on the cross, to rise from the dead, to redeem for himself a people from every nation, every tribe, every people? Consider how great our God is and then consider what kind of obedience does he deserve? And if God is so great, if he is the only God, then our hearts should be united in following him and him alone. Our hearts should not be divided between God or the things of this world. This is not abstract theological truth or philosophical truth. This is life-changing truth. And as we get more into the book of Deuteronomy, I hope you will see that more and more. And I hope that as we wrap up the first five books of the Bible, that you will see that the things we have learned is not just ancient history. They're not just, you know, these abstract things. They are realities that should change our lives because we are seeing from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that the Lord is God, that there is no one like him, and that there is no one who has done the things that he has done. Therefore, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, right? right? That should be our heart. And it should come from a place full of worship for this great and awesome God. And I hope this just whets our appetite for even more from the book of Deuteronomy. Now let's move forward to our New Testament reading for today from Luke 13, 1 through 21. And here we see something very critical at the beginning of the passage that's worth noting where people come to him and they talk about these Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So here we see uh, an instance of incredible you know, political injustice that Pilate brutally murders these people as they're seeking to worship God. I mean, imagine a government today, um, you know, killing Christians as they were in the middle of a worship service. How outraged would you be? Um, and, you know, that, that that's a horrible thing. And so they bring that to Jesus, and he says, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And then he goes on from, from that kind of political uh, injustice and disaster to uh, you know a more kind of natural disaster. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them. So there, some tower fell. I don't know if it was an earthquake or you know some kind of accident, but this tower fell and, and kill 18, killed 18 people. So in the one case, you got Pilate directly responsible. In the other case, it's some kind of natural or you know accident type situation where there's no human evil responsibility behind it. it. It is this tragedy. But even there, he says, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And there is that clear warning in scripture that all of us need to repent. All of us need to turn from sin. We don't know when we're going to die. Because it might be sooner than we think because of a political injustice or from some tragic accident. We don't know. But what we do know is we need to turn from our sin 
or we will die, not just physically, but spiritually. And this is the message that we as Christians are charged with bringing to the world. Repent, or you will likewise perish. But we can be confident that that message is going to go out. It's going to succeed, even just with the parables we see at the end of the reading, uh, this parable of the mustard seed, that the kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. Or leaven, you know, which which rises, and you know, the bread rises. Uh, that's what the kingdom of God is like. This message of Jesus Christ, it will advance, it will go forward, partly because, well, there is no one like our God. He is God in heaven, and He alone, and there is no one who has done the things that He has done. Therefore, let us keep His commandments. Let us also be faithful to the mission to serve the kingdom of God, to spread the message of repentance and faith in Jesus Christ until He comes again. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.